0: Hello, this is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business. Before we get started with this episode, I wanted to let you know about a great online event that I'm excited to be a part of. It's the Business Growth Online Bootcamp. It's all online and it starts today, January 30th, and goes through February 5th. It's not too late to join and there will be presentations all week. Over 35 different business experts will be presenting on a variety of subjects including myself on the topic of customer service and Michael E. Gerber, the author of The E-Myth. The E-Myth is the most recommended book across all of the entrepreneurs we've had on our show. So Michael Gerber himself will be presenting as well. So if you're looking for ways to grow your business in 2017, then I highly recommend you attend this online event. You can register for free on our website at thehowofbusiness.com. Just go to thehowofbusiness.com and click on the Business Growth Online Bootcamp image towards the top of the page. It'll be very obvious when you get there. I look forward to having you join us at the Business Growth Online Bootcamp starting today. Welcome to the How of
1: Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The
0: How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez and I have a guest with me today, Alex Barker. Alex, welcome to the show.
1: I'm so happy to be here, Henry. thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, so Alex is a clinical pharmacist. Uh, he lives up in Northern Michigan, I say up because I'm in Dallas area. and in his position as a clinical pharmacist, he's responsible for the care of patients with chronic diseases like diabetes and hepatitis. So some pretty serious stuff. A lot of schooling they went into that we'll chat about that Uh, when he's not a pharmacist he has a business and he does coaching and we'll get into the type of coaching that he does he's also a host of a couple of podcasts he had one in the past called the leadership dojo but now 66 day experiment a compelling podcast I've listened to a few of the episodes is one of his podcasts that's available on iTunes and other platforms and pharmacy life radio which as you can imagine is related to his background and knowledge and experience being a pharmacist himself and that one's geared to making a pharmacist's life 10 percent better which got my attention i'm going to ask you in a minute what that means uh, but mm-hmm. on this episode we're going to chat about his entrepreneurial journey which he's in the process of to an extent and the things he's done so far tips and advice for other small business owners and we'll chat about this 66-day experiment approach to things. And so that's going to be the subject of this episode. Alex Barker, once again, welcome to the show.
1: I'm still happy to be here, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I haven't worn you out yet. <laughs> so that, that 10%, I, th- I think, is purposeful in that, you know, usually 110%, but what do you mean by 10% better? This is related to the Pharmacy Life Radio podcast.
1: <laughs> when I so back in twenty twelve uh that's when I did a residency during my training, and I had a lot of time in my commute I had about a two hour commute every single day oh, wow. and that's when I actually started getting into podcasts myself and I noticed I was listening to a lot of career leadership type podcasts, and I remember reflecting on this idea and thinking, you know what these podcasts they're they're helping. They're actually making my life a little bit better. Back then I remember the idea of 10% better really sticking well with me. And oddly enough, there's a guy by the name of Dan Norris, um, who wrote a book 10% better, right? I think like maybe that was the tagline of his book, but it was about meditation and that when he, when he took that, I was like, you know what? I (laughs) I got to make my life 10% better too and help others as well. That's our motto on the show because we love to give tips and tricks, not really tricks, but I guess systems, steps for anyone to take to make their life better. And, yeah, we do focus on pharmacy, but we do talk a lot about life issues, finance, productivity, those topics.
0: Yeah, and it makes sense. It's catchy. And I think think what you're trying to communicate there in part is that that those little things over time end up making a big difference. Is that fair?
1: Oh, that could be the subject of this whole podcast. That's that's the big idea behind the the sixty six day experiment.
0: Got it. Got it. All right. So let's go back. You're in school. Takes a lot of schooling to become a pharmacist. Was mm. this your childhood dream? Tell me about how you ended up on that <laughs> track.
1: Ah uh, no, the childhood dream I think was to be a comedian. Interesting. Um, yeah, I always wanted the spotlight. I always got detentions. For going way farther than I should have during class with jokes. And in high school, I think I, I hushed down the big dreamer within me and said, okay, time to accept the American dream. You're good at math and science. What about healthcare? Okay, there's a lot of jobs there, right? Supposedly. Well, I don't want to touch blood, butts, or guts. So I don't want to be a doctor and I don't want to be a nurse. Is there something in between there? And honestly, that's kind of how I ran into pharmacy. And I went to school uh, two years undergrad, four years grad, and then a year of residency training. That was the kind of journey to become a pharmacist.
0: Yeah, long road. And then I, mean, I was listening to some of your materials online, and it, you rated your passion, I think, or love of pharmacy at around a four. But being a writer was was really what you what you loved doing. We'll come to that in a moment. But so, did you know as you were going through pharmacy school and all that schooling that this really wasn't your passion, but you had to finish it anyway?
1: <laughs> I was scared. Uh, I was concerned. But i I, ha- I have to admit, I do this thing where whenever I'm surrounded by a group of like-minded people, I tend to fall in love, whatever it is that they think is the right thing to do. I, I, you know, obviously I went into school to become a pharmacist and by surrounding myself with like-minded people, I just believed in their dream as well as much as mine. Mm -hmm. I thought, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to become. I didn't do a whole lot of thinking ahead as to what actually will I be doing on a day-to-day basis. And that morphed and changed over time. And luckily I got into a field that fits my skills um in a unique way but it's still if it wasn't for the business pursuits the side hustle i guess you could call it right um i i I would be either deep into video games and watching movies every night or i would probably well probably depressed at the same
0: time to try to escape
1: yeah to have something creative
0: so it, it's interesting. It seems to me like you have always been the type of person that could focus intensely on something, and uh, that's a characteristic that I'm sure continues to serve you well when it's when it's focused in the right direction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I can focus for a, a significant period of time, but not on the same thing. I,
0: I, but I, but I mean, with- to have gotten through s- that schooling, like mm-hmm. you said, you, you ha- that, that that takes some heads down discipline we're going to get through this and and it's it's not just a semester it's it's a lot of schooling and interns and, and and internships and so that takes a lot of determination maybe focus discipline what is it
1: i would say grit right there's a lot of new science in this area of grit which is the science community defines it as a long-term passion and perseverance for goals and i think i had a lot of grit at the time to focus on things that I did not find interesting, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. unfortunately, I mean that's true with any schooling, though, right? You have to right. learn things that, man, this stuff is boring, but right. it'll get me a job apparently.
0: Mm-hmm. And now, when you combine that grit with something you're really passionate about, now we're cooking.
1: Mm. It's it's a world of difference because it's my own volition that I do the things that I do now, yeah. rather than study for an exam.
0: Okay, so you're still a pharmacist that. I'm sure pays the bills and and quite well and I'm sure you're good at it and it's uh, certainly a career but what's what's the is there a, an end goal that you can share with us what are you looking towards in the future is that something you'll continue to do but have uh, side businesses what is it that you aspire to to do 5-10 years from now
1: mmm it's a great question it's something I often talk with my mastermind groups and my coaches the end goal ultimately is to work on coaching. For lack of a better phrase, coaching is when my soul catches on fire. (laughs) It's when I feel like this is what I'm meant to do. As a kid, I've only felt that once, and that was when I made a comedy pep rally movie for a pep rally, and I had a standing ovation. That was the first time I've ever had anything like that for anything I had created. Mm -hmm. And I directed it, I edited it, I. Start in it. And it made me feel like this, this is what I got to do. I have that feeling when I coach people. And so that is the focus now. I have to tell you though, starting off with a family, just graduating college and buying a house, that's a lot of debt to start a business. Right. And my wife and I weren't comfortable with living with this debt. So over the last, uh, 2013 is when I got my Full uh, full time job after a residency, and ever since then we've been hammering out debt. So uh, just uh, two months ago now we just paid off our house. Wow! My wife's debt is gone. That was about forty k. We bought a car that was about thirteen, and we're now the only debt I have left is my college loans, which is about at forty four, and we're on track to get rid of it by uh, April or May, April or May, but I'm shooting for, I'm shooting for March, uh, of 2017. So the ultimate goal is to get rid of this debt and then focus on this business. And I do believe that I could be a mixture of pharmacy. I have to say that there are a couple of institutions that are looking at this unique skill of coaching and how it fits into patient care. So we'll see, you know, right now owning a media company that focuses on pharmacy is something very unique. and. Maybe this is for someone who's listening to the show and wanting to get inspiration about business and thinking about how do I start it while still working? How do I do all of this stuff? I would encourage you to not think about trying to do something completely brand new, but rather think about the skills and expertise that you've built up over time and accept that as a part of who you are. For a long time, I rejected the idea of ever creating a business about pharmacy. I almost hated the idea that I spent all this time building a pharmacy career. And then I realized that I was believing incorrect things, things that were holding me back. And one question from a mastermind member changed everything for me. And it made me realize that I could create something that I was an expert as that would become an automated system. That is my business, my media company. And I love it. And been two year three two and a half years now in the running with this business and I love it. My team does the work and it's helping me pay off my debt and, and live the dream as I said to Henry earlier when we just jumped off the call. This is the dream. So thanks, thanks for
0: thank you, Henry, for
1: asking that great question.
0: Oh, my, my pleasure. And what was the question that was asked of you by that person in the mastermind?
1: Oh, <laughs> I had you waiting. If you don't know what a mastermind group is, it's basically a group of people who meet on a consistent basis for the success of each member and you share in there your struggles your mental limiting beliefs the things that are stopping you from succeeding and i was just bash and the, this was in when i was struggling with the startup phase of my business and i had no clue what i was doing i shared my struggles with these groups and one of them brought up the fact that alex you're a pharmacist like why don't you doing more things in pharmacy and i brought up all of my limiting beliefs and my excuses, my arguments, why I couldn't do it. And he asked me this one question that is so piercing in my mind. And he said, Alex, what kind of business could you create in pharmacy that you would love? And so rather than thinking about the limiting beliefs, I thought differently. I thought, well, how, how could I, what, what would it look like? And that one question was a catalyst for where I am today. That one question is literally worth my house because it's mine now. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't pay the bank anymore.
0: And related to that, I, I think you, you recommend that you start with a, a service type business around either that skill set or something that you know to get started, right? Uh, can you talk to that a little bit if I understood that correctly?
1: Yeah. Henry, do you know some of the big podcast players like um, Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income and Chris Ducker of Virtual Business Freedom?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay. I listen to a lot of those guys, and they're awesome, and they give great information. And I fell in love with this idea of passive income. I thought, oh, that sounds so good. It sounds so sexy, passive. I got to have it. I want it. And I fell in love with this idea and this dream. Well, after trying to do passive income, after trying to make websites and courses and books, I just struggled with it. I really did. And after struggling with trying to do all the different ways that you can make passive income online, I realized I lacked a few basic business skills like selling a service talking to people, convincing them to close a sale. And, I, and what I did is I focused m- with my media company, I focused on creating a service, creating something that had value. And I made more money in two months than I had made the previous year trying to push after passive income.
0: So would you give me an example of what you mean by a service?
1: I mean that you are doing something for someone else and being paid for it. Literally anything. If you can, you can go to websites on such as Fiverr.com, Fiverr. dot com F I V E R R and literally just sing a song for someone and be paid money for it.
0: All right. So a freelance, <laughs> a, a virtual assistant type, uh, anything that can be outsourced. That's what you're talking about. These virtual services that can be rendered for people. Uh, and leveraging technology like the internet to provide that service. Is that right?
1: Exactly. You take any basic skill, reading, writing, and talking. any Those things alone can be paid in dividends. I actually have a occasional side hustle. Well, actually, no, my wife does. Excuse me. My wife has a side hustle of narration. She reads audiobooks, and she does a great job at it that's how I got started with my media company is we started creating articles and then selling those articles.
0: And so and that's also you started creating that content related to and leveraging your pharmacy knowledge correct? Exactly. That makes sense. All right. so one of the things that stood out as you were telling the story earlier is what you're doing is what I find is often a big challenge for people is you've got you've got an obvious plan to eliminate this debt, to put yourself in a position where then you can continue to grow and have options open up for you. But you've been willing to make the sacrifices to get there. And that's what I find that most people lack when they're not in the financial position to do that. And so they they just continue. They don't want to make the sacrifice of living within their means of focusing on paying off debt. And so they're never in a position where they can take that additional step is that what you've encountered as well it's hard <laughs> it, it's really hard to give, right to give people
1: perspective now I'll, I'll be just completely open and honest with you our expenses on a monthly basis are about thirty three hundred dollars a month and that is because we've we have chosen a certain lifestyle that is not a really a part of our culture we didn't choose to live in our dream home right away we don't eat you know organic grass-fed beef <laughs>
0: um,
1: nothing against it i'm not trying to say that but uh, if, if there's a free option or a cheaper option we take it um we live very frugally i ha- y- you know if you think about the source of this change within me how did all of this happen well i took a financial class in my last year of grad school and that really set me up for success it made me start thinking you know what my entire life i've been playing the victim i've been blaming everyone else for my money problems my job problems my school problems and i don't take any responsibility for myself and that one decision has made me say okay i'm going to live differently than everyone else i'm going to live well <laughs> like no one else so later that I can live like no one else, as a famous uh, financial expert says. And so we, we live well below our means in order that one day, very soon in fact, we'll be able to have a growing and excellent business and possibly a job as well. I mean, we're open to whatever the road has for us. So I have to say that we've disciplined ourselves right off the gate before we got our job and I know that a lot of people struggle with it is how how do I start a business how do I do go part-time when all of our bills are making us go to work and we have the golden handcuff syndrome right yep we can't leave that's difficult
0: it's it's really difficult and it's a societal problem as you touched on and then you I suspect were fortunate or perhaps purposeful in finding a partner in life that was on the same page with you on this (laughs) yeah i often wake up in the
1: morning and look at her and think oh man am i sleeping in someone else's bed
0: (laughs) you won the lottery
1: i did she's really really great and very supportive i think in fact that's something i ask um, anyone who comes to me for coaching is i talk to them about their spouse if they have one or girlfriend or fiance or vice versa And I asked them about what what does he think about this endeavor? What does she think about you focusing on this instead of doing X, Y, Z with them? Because if your partner isn't on board with it, it's going to be a very long and arduous journey. In fact,
0: you probably will get less accomplished because of that. Yeah, agreed. It's about sacrifice, mutual sacrifice and being on the same page. All right, so introduce this three-step job-free income course that you offer. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: This course, it's a video course with me and a few um, uh, written guides with it. And it's everything I wish I had starting off. It's for the people who want to start a side hustle. Uh, I created this a while ago and it kind of rehashes everything I learned about picking, picking a service rather than chasing after passive income, how to find your first clients, and we have some great awesome tips in there on how to get them over people who are way more experienced than you when you have maybe zero experience. And then we also talk about common mistakes and myths that people uh, believe and make as they begin their journey. It's, It's quick, simple, easy. You can watch it on your way to, or listen to it on your way to work, and it will just come in your email inbox if you sign up.
0: Which I have, and I've started it, and it's fantastic. And so let me ask you this. You said it was what you wish you would have had. Share with me one thing that falls into that category that you wish somebody would have told you or you would have learned earlier.
1: One thing? Yeah.
0: <laughs> because, of the, because of the time limitation. people <laughs> do.
1: One thing. I would, I would go back in time and I'd look at myself in the face four years ago and I would say, Alex, if you can focus on one thing, just pick one thing and focus on it for three months. If you can just pick one thing, don't, don't pick ten things at once. Don't pick even three things. Just pick one thing because you will accomplish it so much faster if you just pick one thing versus many that's what I would want to tell myself So I'm
0: suspecting you you at that point took the many route many options many things at once was it because you didn't know how to decide which one was good
1: that yeah I I really didn't understand <laughs> I didn't understand what what results I could achieve by listening to others right I was listening to a lot of podcasters bloggers looking for options out there as to what I could do, and I didn't realize that there's no pie in the sky. <laughs> uh, it takes hustle, sweat, blood, and tears to create something and get it off the ground. It's just like launching a rocket, right? The first, you know, jettison into space is the most difficult part, the f- launching it off the ground. But once it's into space, it's a whole lot easier to manage. Right
0: once you've got that inertia behind you. All right, so tell me about this business that you built in 66
1: days. (laughs) So that was an experiment I did for my show, 66 Day Experiment. And that show is really based off of the compound effect, which is if you can apply daily action to something, one thing in particular, uh, over time the compound effect will take effect, which is this synergistic multiplication effect so it's it's no longer one plus one equals two it's one plus one equals five equals ten equals a hundred and so for season three of my show I daily worked on creating this new business which was my um, essentially a podcast that was focused on pharmacists which became pharmacy life radio and what we did is we focused on affiliate relationships and sponsorships And it worked out pretty nicely Um, for something that I worked on while doing my full time job. We were actually able to uh, get about $3,000 worth of sponsorships in 66 days. Now, you know, as I reflect on it, I think, you know, was that the best use of my time? Could I have done something else? And I think I could, but at the same time, I love, I love what I've created. It's great for my business. It's drawing in more business, which my team is handling. And so the long-term effects of what I've created have been just really, really good. Like I said, we, I, I really want the deed to my house, and I haven't received it yet. It takes like two months, That's FYI. Amazing. Interesting.
0: <laughs> All right, so let me break that down a little bit because I think, uh, and you're going to correct me, if I'm wrong here, that that approach, there's a couple things that I think come to mind. So the 66 days, you kind of put a stake in the ground that we're gonna accomplish something by that point in time, even if it's a minimal minimally viable product. And so there's that benefit, yes? Yes. Yep. Also, you, you mentioned the point of compounding. So I, I suspect then what you did is you broke this up into small components across those 66 days so that you overcame what a lot of times paralyzes us, which is this monumental task. And when we look at it in its entirety, it paralyzes us. But you just took small incremental steps over those 66 days. Is that fair?
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: Wonderful. And so that podcast continues because I've listened to some of the episodes, right? And so tell me, just tell us a little bit more about that podcast and who should listen.
1: It's a great podcast for people who are in the thick of it right now. I have to admit, it's definitely a lot of my own journey um, of working full-time while managing the businesses that I have. And so I do share a lot of insights as to what is going on behind the curtain. And right now in season four, we are helping uh, a couple launch their own consultancy business in 66 days. Um, So that's going on live as of this recording which is in september of 2016 and in the future we we do (laughs) we've got a lot of interesting ideas that are coming in the pipeline for more experiments and uh it's a seasonal show so it's not uh going on all the time so just fyi if you're listening to this in the future
0: right but it's it's very evergreen content because i've gone back to the previous seasons and it's good stuff so uh Congratulations on that. Thank you. All right, content creation, we've touched on it and some of the stuff I was reviewing, preparing for the show, you talk about it. Share with us kind of the approach you take to creating written content. So an article, for example.
1: Well, I think for everyone it's different and you gotta find your flow, but you want me to share my process.
0: Yes, it's particularly the creative aspects of it. Again, everybody has to go about it a different way. But I think I am always interested in how someone goes through the creative process. And then I know that, that you have some things that you're doing that, that are not necessarily unique as to how, what pieces you delegate or outsource. And so I'm interested in that, the technical components of the process as well.
1: Mm. So for a time, I followed a pretty distinct process. The actual creation of content goes like this for me. I, I create drunk And I edit sober whenever I'm creating new ideas or I'm writing a blog post or even outlining a podcast. I will write it without any
0: inhibitions
1: (laughs) and uh, in a social setting that I wouldn't recommend it. But when you create things, it's really easy to let your your creative side die as you think. No, that doesn't sound right. No, I got to say this differently. No, I shoot. I got to find this information before I continue. And when you do that, you stop, you halt the creative flow that's going on in your brain and it stops you from creating some really amazing content that you could have. But instead, you're learning how to spell splendidly right. (laughs) For me, I, I take it in two phases where I create without any inhibitions and I'll go back later with a sober mind and look at what I've created and does it make sense? Or could I explain this a better way? Or how do I word this in a way that is communicated better? As far as the media company in and of itself, uh, at this point, I'm kind of just the guy who creates the ideas and my team makes it a reality. One process we have, for example, is that we record content for the podcast, The Pharmacy Life. Then what we do is we have transcripts of the podcast, which we use as lead magnets um, and other things as well for our audience, and then after that, what we do is we take a lot of that content and make it into blogs uh, that we actually use for other businesses that are interested in that content. Um, So it's it's reusing content in a really easy, simple way, where all I have to do is just talk. And if you haven't guessed by now, I really do enjoy talking. (laughs)
0: Yeah no thanks for sharing that that's such a insight and i i find it more and more I, I get excited when i think about how efficient it is to be able to speak ideas and if you're fortunate to be able to do so in a you know an eloquent enough fashion or at least follow a format so that it comes out somewhat coherent and then leveraging that effort by outsourcing components of it it's i don't know that there's a more efficient way to create content
1: i think there's a I I guess I'm going to butcher the saying, but I know that a lot of people out there say, if you create it once, think about how you can use it again and again and again. Right. And honestly, that's, that's, that's actually what I did as my, one of my first hustles is I wrote a book about, um, how to create a mastermind. then I used a lot of that content to create a video course. Um, then I also trained people too. I also trained, um, podcasters on how to create masterminds and use that as a as a revenue model. So if you th- created something once, think, how could I sell this again and again in different ways for people?
0: All right. So you've mentioned it. Your wife has a side hustle, a side business. I believe it's a franchise. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: <laughs> that is an interesting ploy on, on, on our part. Um, Henry, have you ever been interested in real estate before or are you into real estate?
0: I am. I had my real estate license at one point. I was in real estate investment and I do still commercial real estate investment.
1: That's what I thought. I just wanted to confirm, didn't want to sound silly on a podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then again, just about everybody's into real estate. So, so, you know, it's, you got a 50, 50 chance with most people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, I find it so fascinating. And my wife and I were we were looking at homes, we found this really ugly house, it was a duplex, it already had tenants in it, and it was very, very, very cheap, and we were so close to putting in an offer, and we got cold feet, particularly my wife, and, and I, you know, I'm not going to say cold feet, I'm going to call it her intuition. Henry, I can't count the times that her intuition has been right, and my thinking pattern has been wrong, so... <laughs> I understand. There's, there's some wisdom for husbands out there. Listen to your wives. For me, I've learned to listen to her. And so I thought, well, shoot, I'm really disappointed. I wanted to get it into real estate. What do I do? So I started looking into other options and franchises was coming as a common option. And I thought, well, how do we how do we manage this? How do we do this? And we ran across this really great franchise called School Spirit Vending which essentially is uh, vending stickers in schools. And what we, basically the way we promote it is we say this is a fundraising opportunity for schools because we give 25% back to the schools. And my wife is not very entrepreneurial. She's not um, creative in that sense, but she loves it when she has a task list. She loves following her lists. And that's really what this business has become. She's the COO and I am just the CMO. She's the CEO of the whole thing, running it like a fine tuned oil machine. And I love it because it's getting her to think more about business. And it's just great for our family. It's a great opportunity to teach our kids about entrepreneurship. And it's also a great investment, just like real estate would have been. And we can dive more into
0: that if you'd like. But that's our one of our other businesses. Yeah, it's fantastic. I had the opportunity to interview Matt Miller, who's the uh, founder and CEO of School Spirit Vending. And for our listeners, that's episode 32, which has been released, and I found it fascinating. I think he's got a fantastic concept and it's a wonderful business. And to think it all started with a gumball machine, if you've heard (laughs) his story or not. Uh, But that's great, that's fantastic. I'm so glad that that's going well. Um, All right, so good, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, so let's start to wrap it up. What uh, I, I've gathered some of it, but what do you? What would you say have been some of the keys to your success in life and in business?
1: Focus. <laughs> Focus. I if I don't allow myself the time to think and meditate on what I need to accomplish and do, I I would just be all over the place. Um, I've invested quite a bit amount of money in coaching for myself. And that has been one of the greatest things that has really pushed my life forward is focusing on what's actually the important thing to focus on. What do I do? What do I do next? Not just in business too, with my relationship with my wife, with my kids, uh, with my community, with my priorities, my core values, who I am. And I recommend that for anyone, that if you're thinking about, how am I doing the right thing? You know, sometimes it just helps to talk to someone who's got a little bit more experience than you, just getting that outside perspective if you're all alone, because that's the way I felt back in 2012.
0: And so now that you have that more sharpened focus and it's directed better, perhaps, and you've got that grit that we talked about before, I can see where now you feel so empowered and being able to accomplish everything. But you strike me, though, as a, a young, relatively young man, compared to me anyway, with a lot of confidence. Was that something that was always in you, or do you think you had to develop that over time? Tell me about <laughs> that.
1: I guess the confidence grew uh, as a kid fighting for attention, <laughs> if I'm honest. And it goes um, back to
0: that first time that you got applause and how much that... Uh, much you enjoyed that
1: yeah I think that's a part of it but I mean as a kid I mean I was always stirring up trouble to get other people to laugh interesting and that pushed me further than my morals and ethics should have let me you know I got detentions all the time for causing ruckuses in classes and that really isn't me like that doesn't jive with me now I think about it like who is Alex Barker that's not me but what built the confidence was just doing bigger and bolder things I have to say, too, in, in my podcast, The uh, 66 Day Experiment, I did a season, uh, season two of the show where I faced daily rejection, asking people to do things that I expect to be rejected on. And uh, that actually helped me out quite a bit with confidence and, and making bold requests of people.
0: Um, so I'm not quite following you. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: So season one of my show, I did a crazy thing and I read a book a day. And um, there were some other things I did in there as well. And I thought, well, what's next? What do I want to improve on in my life? And, and what's something that everyone struggles with? Fear. Everyone is afraid of rejection, particularly. No one likes to be rejected. No one hates the, the pretty girl telling you no. Everyone hates being told by the boss that you can't get promoted. Everyone hates rejection. And I hate it too. And so I said, well, you know what? I'm going to do some crazy things. <laughs> I'm going to ask people some crazy things for for 66 days. I'm going to attempt to anyway and see what happens. And so I asked people things like, can I have free coffee? Um, can I walk your dog? Uh, can I be featured in the local newspaper? There were, there were a lot of requests along the way. And I did get some things and I got rejected in others. And ultimately, I actually wasn't able to finish the experiment because I just didn't have the time to focus on it. But what I learned from it is the worst thing that people say is no. That is the worst thing.
0: Right. worst thing. That, that's the worst that can happen. Right.
1: And more often than not, when you ask something bold of people, they want to they wanna see it through.
0: Yeah. They might just say yes. <laughs> they,
1: yeah. They may surprise you. And often they do. And I've, do- and I've really adopted that into my business as well. Asking big things from potential clients. It's been great.
0: Wonderful. All right, so summarize for me how you engage with clients. You do one-on-one coaching, is that correct?
1: For the coaching, yes. So the way I engage with people is um, really what I'll share with you. What I love to do is first find out a little bit more about you and what you have going in your life and what the big vision is that you have for your life. And then what I like to do is set aside two hours where we dive deep and we try to figure out how to get you to that dream. For example, I was helping out this guy who had a website. He had tens of thousands of visitors about this really heart-wrenching issue. And this guy, he wants to make a big change in the world, but he just didn't really know where to start. He didn't know how to take action on it. And he also wanted to make it his full-time thing, something he could focus on full-time. And what we were able to do just through talking in one session, we were able to get him to focus on creating a, basically a, a 30-day challenge where he's going to work with people and focus on how can we get people more into his community. <laughs> and we've just started. We're going to be doing live events. We've talked about what he has for the future creating things like experiments, live experiments, a TV show. He's going places. That's how I really interact, at least with the coaching side. Great. Wonderful.
0: Thanks Thanks for explaining that. All right, Alex, we'll start to wrap it up. Uh, Is there a book that you've read recently or in the past that you would recommend to our audience?
1: One of the best business books that I've ever read that stuck with me is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Can I briefly explain the premise? Absolutely. Everyone goes through this urge within them that says, my boss is stupid. <laughs> I, I can do what he does or I can, I can lead a business. I know how to do this. That guy's not so smart. I can do this. And we have what Michael calls an entrepreneurial seizure and we all start businesses. But unfortunately for most of our lives, we act as technicians. We, we carry out the actions of what businesses do. We are clerks, we are doctors, we are uh, accountants, we are beauticians. We do things that businesses perform, but we never have looked behind the curtain to see what actually it takes to run a business. And in his great book, Michael talks about what what must be in place to actually run a successful business. It's a great book, highly recommend it.
0: What's one thing you've taken from it that you've applied in your business? The how of wow.
1: He briefly explains this in his book, but it really stuck out to me. And it's thinking, how can I wow every single customer that I have with a simple process? Not something that I have to think about or do, but it's just a part of my daily routine. What can I do to wow people? That's what stuck with me, and it's... I think it's made my business great because it leads to referrals.
0: Great. It's one of my favorite books as well. And it's one of the more common ones mentioned when I asked this question of guests I've interviewed about. Oh, uh, you should have told me. No, it's, you it's all told good. Me. <laughs> Everybody has a different perspective on it. So that's, that's why I asked that last part of it. Um, I will have that link to that book in the show notes page for this episode. And you can find that at the how So thanks for that. Uh, all right. So parting, last piece thought for our audience as we wrap this up, Alex.
1: Surround yourself with like-minded people. Surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you. Because doing this journey alone is possibly the hardest thing ever. Um, it's really the power of coaching too. A part of the mastermind. Being asked questions that no one else is brave enough to ask you. I have a coach. I have a group of mastermind friends and peers who are brave enough and tough enough to ask me questions, to call me out when I'm making a bad decision. I wish I had that when I started. Maybe it would have saved me some trouble, but I think if you can find those people, that'd be a great place to start.
0: Yeah, great recommendation. I think for most of us, it was my experience as well. When we get started, we were very lonely. We're out on an island because usually our circle of friends and family, they're not entrepreneurs. And so you have to go find that circle. You have to go find those people. Yeah. All right. Very good. Where uh, would you like our listeners to go to find out more about you and your business?
1: Well, the probably the easiest place I hang out is the sixty six day experiment dot com. And if you know if you if I said something today that resonated with you, or you had a question on, or you just want to bounce some ideas, you want to talk about overcoming a challenge that's you're facing. Um, I'd love to help you, I'd love to help and talk with you about this issue and help you get over it. And you can do that best by going
0: to the website and contact page. Fantastic. And we'll have links to that as well on the show notes page of the How of Business. Well, Alex, I mentioned to you that I thought this would be a compelling conversation and indeed it has. Thank you for taking the time and sharing your knowledge and being with us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me here, Henry. I, I really do appreciate it. I I love these podcasts that you create. I think the guests you have on here are insightful, and I think I want to encourage you, keep pushing. I know it's difficult as a podcast host. I know it can be difficult to get things in line and to work out things and interviews, so keep it
0: up. Thanks. I appreciate that. All right, folks. This is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business.
1: Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, Leave a comment on iTunes and go by levantebusinessgroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.